Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he stops robbing his home. Sweet song. Plenty of positives to take from yesterday's game, but the fact is that we've lost and we appear to be very much a club in crisis. So, very good evening to you and welcome uh, to Charlton Live, coming to you live from the Valley here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me in the studio here to uh, discuss yesterday's devastating opening defa- uh, opening day defeat up at the Stadium of Light is uh, Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Devastated. Yeah. yeah. Looking fresh, though. You haven't actually travelled back from Newcastle today, like no, some of us. Yeah. have had a nice restful day. Excellent stuff. Uh, looking less fresh. Is Nathan Muller has had a, a couple of nights out in Sunderland, which is enough to do uh, to, to do some bad things for a man. How are you doing, Nath? Not bad. I've got to go. Um, got to get my jabs in the morning because <laughs> it, it was quite ropey out there. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I've had a shower, so I am sort of fresh. All oh, right, so you probably yeah. stood out up there actually. <laughs> <laughs> so on to, on uh, on tonight's show, like I said, we will look back at yesterday's uh, devastating. 
2-1 defeat up at the Stadium uh, of Light. We're going to hear the, the commentary highlights. We'll hear from Lee Boyer as well, his reaction uh, to the game. We also want to hear from you guys. Obviously, there's plenty to talk about. This is our first Sunday show uh, of the season, so welcome back to those of you who, who weren't listening on Thursday. Uh, we'd love for you to get involved with tonight's show, talk about the game, uh, talk about the, the situation around the club because it's, you know... It's not looking great, if we're being honest. We've got about 13 players at the moment uh, who are fit. Um, obviously, we had the, the news that's now been confirmed that Jake Forster Kasky is out injured for the for the season as well. Um, so, so let us know what, what your fears are ahead of the new season, what positives you will take from yesterday. Because, like I say, I thought in the first half we were very much uh, the, the better team, and there are positives to take. So, but anything you want to say, email studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at Charlton Live. Right uh, before we, we we hear those audio highlights, uh, Tom. And Nave, you were both there. Let's start with you, Tom. You were doing the, the commentating. Uh, I listened back to your commentary, <laughs> and you sounded very dejected uh, at the end, as, as the rest of us did, I'm sure, as well. But, I mean, you, your views on the game overall? Uh, overall, like you said at the, in the intro there, there are a lot of positives to take from that. We've put out a, a half-fit side, a load of youth players, which out of necessity, and they went toe-to-toe with the team that are favourites for the league. And... Me and Greg talked before the game and said, look, it's probably a good time to play him because we're not sure they'll have found their feet at this level. But And it, it proved that way in the first half. But I think that's as much credit to us as it is discredit to them because we ran the midfield with, with a youngster uh, and someone who was half fit. Um, I thought Aribo alongside him was awesome. We The pace up front was scary and we defended resolutely. And it showed because they had to match a second half formation-wise. Um, but credit to them for changing it up and they grew into the game and... They probably deserve to get level if we're being t- totally honest, but we certainly didn't deserve to lose that game in the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, at the end of the day, we've lost the game. We've got no points from it, but there are positives to take. I think the the bigger picture is the, the lack of squad depth and, and the amount of players we've actually got, and that doesn't look like changing anytime soon. So that's my big concern but overall in terms of performance it wasn't actually that bad yeah I mean where do you think it started to go wrong in the second half now because I would say in the first half we were clearly the better team clearly the team creating all the openings we, we had that early lead you know if we're going to start looking at trying to look at trends again well maybe last season there was a few times where we didn't uh, extend leads when we should have and perhaps we did that again yesterday but if you look at the fact that we did go to what is going to be one of the, the very favourites to win this league the fact that we went there and you know played them off the park in, in the first half or the first 40 minutes certainly I mean certainly positives to take from that but I mean why do you think that stopped in the second half? Um, two things I think the first one um, obviously I, I can't re- agree more than Tom he said everything I was going to say but um, legs I mean <laughs> When you're in that heat as well, you're looking at a three of Lapsley, who's young, obviously, Rebo's young, and Prattley wasn't supposed to be starting yesterday, and he had to play 90 minutes. Um, and the legs gone, and the legs went, because we were playing such a high press in the first half, it was inevitable, we would need to change it up. And obviously, Bowes looked behind him and thought, pants. Not of pants, but, you know, just like, <laughs> what can I really do? And that's no disrespect to anyone on the bench. Um, but he, And he couldn't change it. And then for me, the second one, was Jason Pierce going off? I don't, I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't have scored that goal. I know he, he, Bo's already come out and said Page didn't do nothing wrong, but I just think as soon as he went off, we looked really uneasy. I mean, I don't know what Nabs was doing. He was like a right back for their goal or something, chasing up the pitch. But I think losing Pierce was a big one. But like you both said, I think there's loads of positives we can take. And I was I was fearing the worst Saturday morning, even though I was optimistic on Thursday. I was, you know, quite pessimistic which is unlike me on uh, Saturday but loads of positives it's just 
We just need to get the bodies in now. Hmm. Right, let's have a listen uh, to the highlights of yesterday's game. Uh, Greg Stubbley and our very own Tom Walling uh, doing the commentary over on Valley Pass. Marja gets under control and back to Maguire. Maguire has a good run from Matthews inside the penalty area. Ball across goal as through everyone in the end. It was good defending from Prattley at the back post just to defend the ball for Charlton and Page can clear up to Colin Grant. That's a great oh, ball. Lovely Grant touch. with a touch and he's clear here. Colin Grant approaching the penalty. Oh, it's, it's a, a heavy touch. touch. Can he get on the end of the second one? Red, 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 it's a penalty for Charlton. Colin Grant bringing the ball forward. It looked like a heavy touch and the covering challenge from Maguire brings him down and Charlton in the first 10 minutes here have a glorious chance of penalty. Unbelievable from one end to the other. Firstly, the ball cut back across the Charlton box. As you say, went through everyone. Page over on the left-hand side then uh, hit it long to Carlin Ahern Grant, That's who was a in a lot penalty. of space. Ahern Grant's touch was heavy, but knocked it round the defender. He was then clean through. He took a massive heavy touch towards, I think, Leuven's or Matthew. And it didn't look like he was going to get there first, but his pace did get him there first. The Sunderland player brought him down, and he's given away a penalty, which is going to be taken by the uh, summer signing, Lyle Taylor, in front of the away fans. I, I don't know how there's not a booking. Um, I really do not. Or was he not last man as well? You could yeah, even argue like, a red card. You, you the, well, there's the double, uh, the jeopardy, double rule, jeopardy isn't there? But not even a yellow card is bewildering. Absolutely bewildering. Some would even argue he's not even playing the ball there, Maguire. As Lyle Taylor has a glorious chance on his Addicts debut. Give Charlton a lead. A referee blows the whistle. Taylor steps up. Lyle Taylor. Yes! Charlton! Charlton take the lead after nine minutes. Lyle Taylor on his Charlton debut. Gives the away side an unlikely lead. Fantastic penalty from Lyle Taylor, no bother at all. Sticks it into the top corner and uh, is, seems to have pulled out a shirt there. Is that, is that not sure what's going on down there? But is it for Jake Forstakaski, possibly? It's the number eight, it is. He's holding touch. up Jake Forstakaski's shirt in front of the Charlton dugout. He ran straight over to get it. A fantastic penalty, but as we said, a bright start from the Addicts overall. Lapsley's look good in the middle. Ahern Grants look dangerous going now. forward. Osterk plays it forward to Sinclair. Sinclair, he's got Maguire on the overlap, but instead cuts back inside and finds Honeyman. Honeyman in central midfield, just twists away from Aribo and he's looking for options and there aren't any. So eventually goes out to Matthews, right of the back three, over on that far side. He's got Gooch in front of him, but instead clips it inside to Marja, inside the penalty area, back to goal, chests it down, and then has a oh. shot and it's in! And out of nothing, Sunderland have levelled. It was a speculative shot from Marja, who turned in the penalty area. Had a shot with his left foot, and I think it caught Phillips by surprise. It's gone in at the near post, and at, what are we, 65 minutes, Sunderland the level. It's a goal out of nothing. It's a simple ball forward into the penalty area, and Pierce couldn't get his clearance, and Marge was able to turn. Charlton probably happy for Marge to shoot from there, and Dylan Phillips is going to be a little bit upset with that. Marge is a shot towards the near post, just creeps past Phillips. He dived down to his left, couldn't get anything on it disappointing from Charlton but we have to admit that it probably has been coming in the second half Sunderland have been the better team they haven't created an awful lot in terms of chances on Phillips's goal but they have been the better team they have been attacking more and it's going to be a real test of this young Charlton team now to see how they react to that goal left now Charlton hanging on at the end and the corner now is going to be taken by Maguire again Maguire out in the back edge of the box oh. towards Cooch has gone under his foot, luckily out. comes out to Oviedo, chip, ball back in towards the far post, as a header and it's in! Heartbreak for the Addicts, Cooch at the far post, heads home, and Sunderland are set to win the opening game of the season. Gutted. 
absolutely gutted. There is no way those players deserve that. No way at all. No way those players deserve to concede in that fashion at this stage of the game. Heartbreak for Charlton. Absolutely gutted, Tom, weren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound any better on uh, on second listening there. Uh, Charlton beaten by two goals to one, the 96th minute, the header from uh, Lyndon Gooch, uh, which wins it for Sunderland. I mean, we came under all sorts of pressure in that second half, but I mean, really, when the, the Marja goal came out of nothing, and I, I thought we'd, I looked like we were going to hang on, we'd done enough, I thought we'd defended pretty resolutely. Um, it's just, uh, it just seems to be the way everything goes mm. these days, isn't it? Nothing, can't have anything nice, can we, these days? And uh, a point at Sunderland isn't too much to ask for, but we're not allowed it, unfortunately. Um, so, that, so there we heard the, the, the highlights. Um, I mean, overall, I mean, did we deserve a point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think what you said there about we just don't seem to be getting a break at the moment. The football season hadn't even started and we didn't feel like we could catch a break and that goal going in so late if we'd have lost 2-1 and they'd scored in the 70th minute or something I'd have still been annoyed because I thought we did enough for a point but that, to go in at the last minute there and you can hear it like the the fan takes over and it's just everything that's gone on with the injuries and the, the size of the squad and the ongoing takeover and everything just builds up and it's just so frustrating because you get some of those things right and we probably wouldn't have lost that game yesterday and those players worked so hard. They were dead on their feet. And like Nave said earlier, Boya didn't really have anything to change it up. But they just worked so, so hard. And I just felt they deserved a point. And uh, yeah, just at the end, such a cruel way to, mm. to lose the game. I mean, just with the situation that, that we're in and, and, and the size of the squad and the fact that there's a hell of a lot of inexperience in there, I mean, do you worry that the fact we did lose the game in that way will... will take away anything that positive that the players could think because they'll just be so downtrodden after that because as we said earlier there's so much that we can take from that game that was good it's just the the manner of the defeat in particular just really sort of sucks it out of you yeah it does but hopefully the, you know the players can take um, positives in it because <clears throat> we've all said I mean Sunderland they're going to be up there I mean they've made a lot of changes and they've still got to settle but then Barnsley and Peterborough are going to be up there and I don't think many teams are going to go to the stadium alliance and certainly play like we did for a whole 45 minutes. They might do in spells or in little 20-minute patches, but they won't do it, I don't think, for 45 minutes. So I hope they can, especially the young ones. You know, actually, what was that? Is that was that his first start? Yeah, first league start. His first start. The second, the first one, I think, is when I done Blackpool at home, wasn't it? When he come on, he looked mm. a bit of rabbit in the headlights. Yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, they've got to take a lot of positives. You know, Prattley weren't fit. Um... <clears throat> Obviously, Dills is you know he's experienced, but he's played played a few games. But yeah, I think we've we've got to try and remain positive because it, I think a lot of us probably were going in there. Well, I certainly was thinking we were going to get trounced, and it didn't mm. happen. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed. But I think I don't think Bose will let them sit there and you know mope about and stuff. But yeah, we're on to the next one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we we uh, talk about the, the starting lineup, of course, and now, uh, as we all know now, which uh, the, the Jake Forstakowski story came out. Uh, we, we did know on Thursday, but Bayer had asked uh, for it to be sort of tried to sort of kept to kept keep it to your chest sort of thing because they didn't want to give Sunderland any advantage in knowing our starting lineup before, which is why we obviously we weren't allowed to report it on Thursday. We just sort of said we oh, maybe who knows, mm. just a rumor. Uh, so that's that's why we couldn't report it on Thursday. But I mean, it, it had sort of, it had pretty much got out anyway. So I think I don't think anyone was shocked 
that he wasn't involved and, and obviously the disappointment there. Now that means Darren Prattley, who we were told a couple of weeks ago was no way he was going to play get start against Sunderland, he had to play. You know, whether he's match fit or not, he had to play. And he was okay in the middle of the park. Uh, Lyle Taylor was a doubt because of his bruised foot, but he started up top and obviously got his first goal. And, and as we say, George Lapsley uh, got his first start. Now, if you, you, you look at the age of the team, there was five in that starting eleven who are 23 uh, or under. Obviously, we only named five subs that have a possible seven. And the average age of those was 21. Um, and that's it, even including Saar and, and Jose are both over that age. So it's a very young, very young bench, obviously with holes in it. Um, so I mean, it is a case of, well, despite all those things, there is quality in that team that, that, that we saw. Uh, Dylan Phillips obviously got his start between the sticks as well, made some good saves in that second half. Um, as we say, Taylor, Taylor was the one up front. Carlin Grant, I thought, played quite well. And, you know, all these things came together in, in the first half where we looked reasonably live. I mean, before we'd even scored, we'd already forced a couple of free kicks on the edge of the box that, that, that came close as well. So we, we certainly, you know, despite all the everything that's sort of going on, we, we started well and we started positive. Yeah, yeah. And um, we'll, we'll hear from Boya later, but the formation was a bit of a, not a surprise, but a, a late change for the players as well. And I thought, actually, that formation suited us really well because... We had heard a rumour um, when we were at the hotel on Friday night that that was how we were going to play, but we were saying, well, why would we play like that? Because we haven't got any central midfielders already and now we're going to put three in there? Like, how's that going to work? But actually, it worked really well. And, and like you say, Lapsley just had, had bundles of energy. Aribo, we know the talent and quality he's got. And Prattley, uh, I still don't really know how fit he was, but he was prepared to put his body on the line, made some great blocks defensively and, and got the ball and drove forwards as well. And it was that midfield at the start up against Honeyman and is it Mumba um, for Sunderland. They just couldn't cope. And we were overrunning them there and just looking to break with Peter, uh, with Grant and Taylor all the time. And for the first 10, 15 minutes, including the goal, they just couldn't get near us. <coughs> but uh, as you say, as the game wore on, Prattley can't have been fully fit because he was, he was absolutely knackered. Lapsley seemed to keep going, but I feel maybe lost his head a little bit and started to get a bit out of position. Aribo looked knackered towards the end. And up front, like... The work that uh, Taylor and Grant were doing as well was crucial to that formation as well, and both of them started to tire, and it was just that that cost us in the end. But you're right, we started really brightly, and it's a formation I think I'd like to see continue. Yeah, because obviously, as, as Bo explained after, it was free at the back, uh, which like we said, we haven't really seen before uh, under Lee Bayer at all. He's always gone for a four-four-two, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it was a case of needs must. Now, I mean, let's talk about the, the opening goal that, that came our way. It was a superb run from Carlin, Carlin Grant and uh, just watching the replay again just before we came on air and I saw like the, the touch that he, that he had to take it past the midfield and then the burst of pace now he's so so quick Carlin I think you know I think early on last season uh, I, I thought he looked like he'd found a bit of confidence and obviously he's got his few goals when we got to sort of the November sort of October November sort of time and then I was thinking oh I wonder if he's going to have a run in the side in, in the second half of the season and then we, we shipped him out to Crawley where obviously he scored uh, a great amount of goals and it, it just to me now, now you forget he's one of the players who's only 20 years old he's been around so long I was shocked when I realised he's still only 20 um, I mean he, he's someone who really now seems to be starting to grow into that position and you know, use that, that that pace yesterday to get get beyond and, and win the most blatant penalty of all time. Yeah, no, I I agree. I thought he played really well the whole game um, yesterday. Obviously, he tired, but he seemed yeah, so. Like, I'll go back when he first came on the scene. He, I think we all know that it was too early. Um, so, as the years have gone on, he seems to have become more intelligent, and his decision making seems a lot more sharper. And he seems to have a bit more purpose in his play. Whereas when we, I can't remember the first game he played. It might have been Borough or something like that. 
he just seemed, seemed to just stay on the last last man and just sort of chase the ball. But he looked really intelligent yesterday. I think him and Taylor linked up very well. Um, and yeah, there's I don't think there's going to be many defenders that are going to like facing him because that Ozturk and um, well, I think was really really overweight. But um, <laughs> he, he he you was, should hear what he says about you, now. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it back. But <laughs> no, but literally he's like um, he couldn't get near Grant. He couldn't get nowhere near him, and they were scared of him after obviously the penalty. Um, so I think he's going to cause some problems this year. Mm. Mm. Uh, great penalty by by Lyle Taylor. Obviously the fans up there weren't too happy with him because he, he turned down. Uh, going to to Sunderland in favour of coming coming to us, and then a classy celebration. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the uh, the massive hole that Jake Foster Kasky is going to leave uh, later on in the show. But to to grab the the shirt, I mean, try and you know one of the other positives you can take ever since uh, Bay has taken over at the club as as caretaker manager uh, is the, is the fact that the, the squad always seems very very much together. And mm. I guess you know that was a, a surefire sign of that when he lifted up the Forster Kasky shirt. Yeah, and you saw as soon as the goal went in. I think Taylor forgot for a second, but um, the rest of the players all ran over to the bench immediately. And he was like, oh, "Yeah, that's what we're going to do." And it had clearly been something they'd orchestrated already. And it was a lovely touch. And I don't know if anyone's seen Jake Forster Kasky's Instagram, but he then posted and sort of thank the team and, and the support he's had as well and like you say we'll go into that later but you're right that unity is there and I'm sure that's easier to to sort of get together when you've got such a small squad it must be harder when there's more and more players in there but I don't think there's many bad eggs in this team um, and, and that is a positive uh, it's not going to be enough to get us in playoffs or to go up just with, with that but it, it's a massive step towards that and it shows on the pitch as well, you know. They're all willing to to fill in for each other and help each other out, and you've seen it throughout preseason as well. I think on the the footage we've seen of like the trip to Portugal and and things like that, that it's a good atmosphere in the camp, and I think Boya deserves a huge amount of respect for doing that as well because he's having to deal with quite a lot of PR in terms of keeping the mood positive. Because outside of that, it looks like the whole thing's going to collapse. Anyone who saw the Independent article yesterday would, or whenever it was Friday, would probably see what's going on around the club um, but he seems to be trying to protect the players from that as much as he can and, and it is paying off because as we say despite the result the performance yesterday was very good mm, uh, yeah and, and as, as that, that first half continued you'd expect a reaction from Sunderland but you know, if there was one I think we weathered it quite easily really um, and, and you know, the, all the chances pretty much until until the last five minutes of that half were going the way of Charlton obviously Prattley had that effort from uh, from Ranger the keeper palmed away and I think Nathan thought that was in from, from behind the goal yeah. you said didn't you yeah I thought it was, when when he caught it I thought there was going to be end, end up a bit more spin and it was going to go um, obviously to the side a little bit more but it didn't but yeah he caught it got enough connection on it didn't he mm. but it was a good save to be fair yeah and then uh, a great run down uh, well, Aribo had that header as well that dropped just wide mm. uh, from from the corner I think that came uh, just after practically shot uh, Page great run down the left he's balling now <laughs> as soon as the ball fell, fell for Lapsley I was like here we this could be uh, absolute dream stuff here if we could get the, the Charlton boy on his full league debut obviously he did it on his checker trade debut when he mm. came off the bench he's uh, that was his actual Trollton debut, but his full league debut to, 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 to get a goal would have been nice. But I think he just slightly rabbit in headlights there and just sort of side-footed it to, to, towards the goalkeeper. That could have been uh, very very nice indeed uh, had that gone in. Um, then then he, saw, he, he put that lovely little ball in as well for, for Taylor, but he was offside, unfortunately. Uh, but then it's just it's just like I say, I think literally the last five minutes of that first half when, when they started to come back into it, Sunderland, so... Uh, you know, we saw that a long shot from Oviedo, which was fairly easy for for, for Phillips in the goal. Um, and then uh, you know, Marjar had a couple of half chances where it, where it came towards him, and Ozturk had one where he volleyed wide. But you could you could just see just towards the end of that first half, I think they were just sort of 
starting to grow back into it. Yeah, we said on comms that the half-time whistle, we needed it more than they did. Um, and the force change, Love coming off, and then Oviedo coming on and playing on the left. Uh, we said during again during the commentary, he seemed to be shooting every opportunity he got, and 90% of them were going harmlessly wide, but at least they were finally having shots from a Sunderland point of view. And Phillips hadn't had a save to make till that long shot that... OK went straight into him and it was a very comfortable save but he hadn't had anything to do until that point so Oviedo gave him a little bit of an attacking threat and Maguire and Gooch swapped sides as well and matched Maguire up against Page and I just felt they were just starting to to grow into the game they were playing that little bit higher up the pitch and uh, as you say when the half-time whistle came I was I was a bit relieved and I thought right Bowyer's got a chance to firstly give them some rest because it was such a frantic first half but also just to sort of calm them down and get them back into shape and remind them what they were doing well um, but then obviously in the second half Sunderland came out and kind of left picked up from where they'd left off at the mm. end of the first half and continued to put that pressure on yeah. them I mean, and as we say matched up formation wise yeah well. exactly yeah and to the tactical change you just wonder if that helped to, to swing things in their favour as well I mean we, we did actually nearly nick a really a bit of a bizarre second goal didn't we at the start of the second half where that, that cross uh, came towards the rebound and he got underneath the header it was looping towards goal, and just for a second from where we were, uh, Tom, it, it, looked very, it looked like the keeper had just completely misjudged it. Uh, but he, he recovered well. Then Solly, now what a battler he was, he went down. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened if it was a clash of heads or something, but he went down and had to continue with a bandage. But there was no way he was going to go off. I thought Solly in particular looked very good yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a clash of heads, and I didn't think he was going to come back on. But um, obviously, he has he had no other faults. But uh, yeah, I think he played, especially you know, he's not. The centre half, but I thought he done well. I think there was a couple of times he he, he went out of position a little bit, but obviously I think they were um, obviously made people track certain people. So I think like Lapsley for sure they put him on Mamba because obviously his energy probably will follow him all around. But I think Solly, I wouldn't like to see him there every week because I think you might be coming up against bigger, bigger, lumpier sort of centre forwards. But yeah, I think I think he started in really well there, and I think wherever he plays, I just really want him to score. Sounding, I want him to score. I obviously a Blackpool, but I still want him to score. But I think he had a good game yesterday. I yeah. think everyone did. To be fair, I don't think anyone had a bad game. No. Yeah. Uh, the the, the Sunderland equaliser. Then it came sort of just beyond the the, the hour. Um, Marjar with the goal. Now we, again, we were just watching it back just before we we, we, we came on air, and you know you're always going to try and pick pick where you could have stopped that goal. So the, the balls ended up with Marjar on the edge of the box. You've got. Um, Sort of between them, Pierce and Lapsley haven't. You know, between them, one of them probably has got to sort of dive on him and put the block in. But they both sort of stood off, and then the shot does it. Does it catch Phillips out? He's near post. Is he surprised? Does it go through a number of bodies so he's not going to see it, or is you know someone on the forum perhaps saying it was it was a mistake by the goalkeeper? And do you think he could have done better with it? And you know, defending as well. I think yeah, all of them could have done better. Uh, it took us by surprise. You probably heard it in commentary there. We weren't expecting him to shoot, but. You see him pick the ball up and normally the striker then moves away towards the corner to try and sort of spin and get a cross in. But, and that, I think that's why they sit off because they're like, right, we've got our position, there's going to be a cross coming so let's just hold our position. But he doesn't, he spins and as you say, Pierce and Lapsley are both at fault. Um, let's be like honest about it, at fault for not closing him down quicker. And it's a good shot but uh, when you see it again, Phillips, I think he would have expected to make a save there. But mm. again, maybe it catches him out but... If you're going to be a keeper at this level, you can't be caught out by shots like that and probably should have done a bit better as well. But 
you know, I'm, I don't particularly want to dig anybody out because, as Nafe says, I don't really think anyone had a bad game. It was just a, a momentary lapse in concentration from all three of them and suddenly you find yourself back level again. Well, is Felix going to be asking for more from his defence in front of him there to close that shot down? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even the shot, it was the build-up. The geezer run about 20 yards. Yeah. and then the so fit, far. And, the, and this is what I was saying about Lapsy. Lapsy was told to, to to sit on this mumba. So when, when who, who was it running? Maguire? Yeah. So when Maguire was running, he didn't know whether to stick with Mumba or go and attack the ball. If you watch it back, he's obviously caught in two minds, mm. and it's only last minute where he's come across, Pierce has pushed on, and he's already got the shot. Deals will be gutted. He will, because you should never be beaten at your near post. But he would say, mm. you shouldn't get a shot off there. You don't. You shouldn't let a, a striker as well. If it was their centre-half, the, this player should never have had the time to shoot. But it is what it is, isn't it? But... Yeah, he'll be gutted, no doubt, but we should have defended it better. I mean, because in particular, I felt that Phillips actually made a number of good saves. I mean, the end of the first half, I don't think I even mentioned it there, where the, the shot was skanked, yeah. or shanked even, and it came to Marshall yeah. uh, in the area, and he was quick off his line to close the angles. You know, I mean, that, that's the sort of stuff we know he's good at. I know I've seen him make very good saves, you know, throughout his career, whether it be a, a Charlton or I saw him, I saw him at Cheltenham. Uh, playing against Bromley once or twice as well, and he made he made a couple uh, some good saves in that as well. So we know what he's capable of. Mm. I mean, uh, we had this discussion with Bowyer after the the pre-season friendly against um, Crawley, in which he made a really good penalty save. Um, he said, you know, Phillips is a you know good player, but there's there's something about experience, inexperience with goalkeepers. And you point out, well, you remember Nicky Pope, you know, he plays for England now, but his first couple of seasons, he was he was a bag of nerves really for yeah. Charlton. And I guess experience when you're the man who's the last line of defence between between conceding and not conceding, it's, it's you know it's it's, it's a, a real difficult place to learn and, and to make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, Tom. I know another thing we've also got to remember. If Amos made that save that Phillips done in the first half, everyone would be raving yeah, about it. Yeah. What did we say against the Plymouth game? What did Amos do? Mm. Make a mistake. Mm. So it could actually end up that he's going to be absolute. I mean, look at Elliot Randolph. You've got to get experience from somewhere. Do you know what I mean? I just think we shouldn't be like digging deals out. Mm. But My worry is about yeah. the fact that Bowie is so desperate to get a keeper yeah. and he keeps talking about it. If he's going to get someone in who's in his 30s towards the end of his career happy to play if needed but just to push him and happy to sit on the bench if not I think that's perfect for yeah. Dills because for me we should stick with him and give him this season because we wasted him last season just sitting on a bench here and okay Amos did brilliantly and I was pleased to have him but Phillips deserves his chance now he's gone out on loan he's tried his bits he's been brilliant in pre-season and like you say made a lot of good saves yesterday and whilst he's Personally, I think he should be disappointed with that one mistake. That's that doesn't make him the goalkeeper he is. It, all those other saves do, and he's a very good keeper. He just needs experience at this level. Mm, now, one of the rare forays uh, we actually had forward uh, down the other end in the uh, in the second half, and it was very rare. If we're being honest, I think you know if, again if we are going to try and pick pick holes in the performance, you are going to say, well, we didn't really offer much of a threat at all in that second half. Uh, but we did have a corner. We had a couple of corners, really. <laughs> Marshall hit one of the worst corners I've ever seen. Uh, but then, luckily, a couple of minutes later, he uh, he had another chance and, and put a much better in towards uh, one in towards Bauer, who got a header. Uh, didn't really quite catch his header right. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of going forward in the second half, I mean, we were lacking. I mean, is that again? Is it a case of the tiredness? Is it a case of the fact that Sunderland changed their system, matched us up, or is it just the fact that we had something to hold on to? Yeah, I think it was a, or probably a bit of every, all of those three things you just said. I mean, the, just quickly on the set pieces. Marshall, when he stepped up with his left foot, I didn't know what was going on. But he's <laughs> obviously been practising just the little dinky curler ones, which that corner did make me laugh. But um, yeah, we, it was going to be down to tiredness as well. I was surprised um, 
he didn't even bring a Jose or Hackett Fairchild on for mm. 10 minutes just to push him back mm. um, which I did find interesting but it is what it is um, but yeah it was, it was always good. we was always going to tire we always in the middle of the pitch we were so stretched it was literally a case of right I think we should just hang on now and then like I said earlier as soon as Pierce went off I was a bit nervous I was nervous anyway and then when Pierce went off I was even worse <laughs> but um, yeah but yeah, it was it was a nothing game. But again, with the so I didn't feel that nervous actually going into the closing stages. I thought, well, you know, we we've letting this go from there. I thought, well, I'm fairly confident we're going to take a point. Um, I mean, Phillips did make that great save mm. from Maguire, mm. obviously trying to make up for his error, giving away the penalty. Maguire made that 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 free kick towards goal. Uh, you know, Phillips made a, a fairly routine save, but he got across. Oh, excuse me, he got across <laughs> there to, uh, uh, to 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 make the save. Um, but then you know, just as you're sort of going into the last five minutes, and then Jerome Sinclair. Uh, that's where I thought right brilliant we, we've got our point here because they've missed their big chance I mean just an absolute sitter for Sinclair as the ball is driven across into the edge of the six yard box and he slides across pokes it towards goal and somehow pokes it wide I mean that was a real let off yeah I think that was a, a wayward shot from Oviedo again mm. if I'm right but um, yeah you're right it dropped through and at half the ground thought it was in um, but you know obviously it went wide and, and like you I kind of after that I, I didn't feel too nervous either I thought this game has 1-1 written all over it. We deserve 1-1. They probably deserve 1-1. Yes, we're tiring, but we we were still restricting them to relatively few chances. And I thought Dills then came out and claimed a corner at one point. And I thought, right, they, they don't look too bad. They look fairly solid. Obviously, Pierce then had to go off. But yeah, I wasn't too worried either. And that's why, again, why it was so so devastating when it when it eventually went in yeah I mean talk to me about this tackle that saw Piercy going off then though because I mean I haven't seen the replay and obviously you were behind the goal so you would have had a better view than than, than we did in, in that situation now of course you know Piercy the, the, he sat down the stretcher came on I thought god here we go and he yeah. spent about two minutes getting onto the stretcher and the second the stretcher got the other side of the white line it's like oh, I'm getting off now I'm fine mm. but I mean he, I mean Bowie's gonna we're, we're gonna find out about the extent of any injury over the next few days, but you couldn't really give us too much on it. But the challenge itself, apparently, Trump players not too happy. Yeah, with it. no, it was it was late, and what I thought is obviously with his standing leg, he's caught his knee and he's jarred it because as soon as Piercy went down, he was waving, and we all we all know Piercy, he won't go down unless he's more or less dying. So we obviously fought the worst, um, and obviously he's had a good couple of minutes down, and then stretcher come on, and then he's got up, which you know sometimes it happens, sometimes it's just the shock of the mm. injury and then it will just you can run it off it's what sort of happens but it was quite funny seeing the uh, fans frothing at the mouth yeah. <laughs> one geezer literally from the corner flag ran to Piercy and as he was walking around just kept berating him <laughs> so the best best bit was when their player went down and we just started booing as well so, but hopefully he was he's walking so that's a positive sign whether or not he's just tweaked it I don't know but I'm praying he's not injured because sorry Nabs but I can't I can't have Nabs there. I'm sorry. Mm. I could, I'd rather Solly and Page at centre half. Yeah. Good job you apologised. Nabby so a notorious Charlton Live listener, of course. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but oh, yeah. then, yeah, I mean, the, the winning goal, I mean, even, I mean, you say you were laughing at the Sunderland fans. I was laughing at the corner <laughs> that led yeah. to the winning goal because, I mean, it was 96th minute. Their, their first game in the, in the third tier in 31 years, I thought, you know, they need they need to be winning this game. They've got a set piece and they try something fancy and drag it towards the back of the you know the edge of the box where someone's completely air kicks it. And I thought oh, I was laughing at that. But it comes out to the geezer a bit further out and he, he he whips a lovely crossover and it's gone over you know it's gone over Paige's head unfortunately. And there's a superb effort from from Gooch. I think Phillips got a hand onto it, but there's nothing he can do. I mean the noise we, we were discussing that's one of the loudest you know 
goal noises I've ever heard. Uh, you know, stadium and like very impressive at that time. But for us, I mean, you heard that how gutted Greg and Tom were on commentary, and that was all of us really. That's how we all felt mm. because I mean, it just knocks the stuffing out of you after everything that's happened this summer. You think, well, at least we can have day one a good away performance and a solid point. We can't even have that. Exactly, and that's why I was as cut as I was because, like you say, it it was just that build up of everything. And I thought, okay, we've got through all that. We're going to get a point. Maybe that doesn't excuse everything that's going on off the pitch. But if we come away with a point, that just shows that's what that's what Charlton are all about: putting that effort in, getting the result. Still, you know, in the face of all the adversity and. Uh, the, f- the first goal, okay, we can point out mistakes, but that second goal was was class. I mean, the cross back in was was pretty much inch perfect. Page, I don't think could have done any more. To be honest, I've seen it back a couple of times. I don't know what more you you want him to do. Gucci's head is so powerful, and Phillips does well to get a hand to it at all. But as you say, couldn't just couldn't get it over the bar and hits the back of the net. And like you say, that the crowd go wild. There was some bloke behind us celebrating wildly, some oh, yeah, commentator or something, way, yeah. yeah, which was annoying me. But, I mean, you heard it. There was, what, 10, 15 seconds of dead air in that commentary because <laughs> we just we just didn't know what to say. We were just completely broken. And obviously, I'm sure the players felt the same. I'm sure up in the stand, the fans felt the same as well. It was just, just so... It just felt unfair, really unfair. Now, a lot of obviously what we've been talking about so far this evening is about, we're talking specifically about the game, so we're talking about 11 players on a pitch, we're talking about the manager on the sidelines. But, you know, I mean, Nathan mentioned um, Bowyer looking around at, uh, and thinking pants behind him because, you know, now, now this is where the whole situation at the club comes into effect you because, I mean, you turn around and you haven't got anyone on the bench who you're willing to use for whatever reason. You know, Rico's very, uh, you know, very raw still. You know, Nicky Jose may well be off. He was on the bench, so why, he could have come on, I guess, but he was he was chosen not, not to use him. Other than that, you've got a couple of youngsters and a, and a young goalkeeper. You know, this is where the situation is. Well, if Boya, all this cost-cutting and all this, you know, not spending money. I mean, we know about the stuff here at the ground, you know, with the lights off here and, you know, the bottled water at the training ground, which we all read about the other day. Um, which, you know, and that is, in a way, it's ridiculous, but... I mean that stuff's you know it, it's just it doesn't affect the, the team s- straight away. But what does affect the team is the fact that we ain't got any players, mm. and so when our players are you know it's energy sapping heat at, at the stadium of light yesterday, which I, I can't imagine they have to worry about too often. But it was really <laughs> hot yesterday uh, up there, and uh, you know the players are doing eleven men getting knackered, especially when you're not in possession, you, you're getting tired. But you need to be able to look at his bench and bring on someone who can affect the game. And obviously, with this situation with the playing squad being absolutely decimated by you know departures and injuries, there's nothing he can do about it. And it's you know we all know who's, who's to blame, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what you what would have been ideal? We would have had a bit of experience on the bench in the middle that you bring up and go, you know. Anyone like you know we used to have Andrew Crofts or something. I know he weren't the greatest, but you'd bring him in, bring him in, and he'll just do a job. Yesterday, if he wanted to take Prattley off because he was, he, he weren't even going to start, was he? And you bring Taylor Maloney off, so you've got George Lapsley, Taylor Maloney, and Joe Rebo away in front of thirty-one thousand fans trying to hold on to the league first game of the season in the Boiling Sun. It's impossible, and I, ju- I just feel sorry. I feel sorry for the players because of all that work that they done. Which we've all said, it just sort of it just sort of counts for nothing now in a way because we couldn't do it. And it's obviously having an effect, and I just don't want it to be demoralising for the players yeah. because they were unbelievable that first half, unbelievable. Yeah. I want to. I think we should have a break from from our voices quickly because then we hear from Lee Bow. But there's more I want to discuss about that because there's something that that's just confusing me a little bit, especially whilst the takeover hasn't gone through. 
and you know who knows what's going on with that it's it's, hard, it's really hard to say for, for all of us but there's something there's something confusing me about this this cost cutting and whatnot but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that after because uh, i think we need to hear from lee Bowyer. don't forget we're also going to hear from you guys we've got a few emails and plenty of tweets already lined up so if you want to have your say on yesterday's game uh, any, anything about it or of course uh, the, the transfer situation the takeover situation uh, don't forget the transfer window for permanent signings uh, closes on on thursday evening as well so if you want to have any uh, say anything about that email studio at charltonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at Charlton Live. The other topics we're going to have tonight, just asking you what you made of our debutants in, in the form of uh, Prattley and, and Taylor and, and of course, uh, George Lapsley as well. Um, how much we're going to miss Jake Forster-Kasky. Like I say, anything else you want to say, let us know. But this is what Lee Bowyer had to say. He came to speak to myself and Jake from the, from the news shopper after yesterday's 2-1 defeat up at Sunderland. Lee, a late defeat here at Sunderland. What did you make of your team's performance today? Um, good. I think uh, to... to play the formation we, that we did and we changed it yesterday morning so we prepared all week to play a different formation and uh, we had to change it obviously losing Jake and we've never played for it at the back under under myself so I think they've done very well you know to adapt that quickly uh, we dominated the first half I thought um, it was the better side anyway and then obviously they matched us up in the second half um, and I thought, well, that's good. Like, and, and it shows that, that we were doing the right things. But then they just got a little bit of momentum. We dropped a little bit deep at times and, and we couldn't we couldn't get out. They, they just pinned us in. And um, that, that was it. And then once they got the first goal, you get the crowd going here. And so, yeah, and obviously the second goal was, I think it was a great cross. And... The fella came round the back and it was a good finish, you know. There's, there's sometimes you, you have to say, well, fair enough, that was a good goal. But the first one should never have happened. For all the, the talk of injuries and, and that before the game, you would have been impressed with the way, particularly in the first half, your side came out today? Yeah, but I, but I know they can do that, you know. They're all good players. They're all good, good at different things. So uh, that's why you have a squad. And... Um, I think everybody done well. Everybody give me 100%. Like I said, give me 100%. Go out there, go, give me 100% and enjoy the game. You know, it, this is what it's about, football and playing in uh, stadiums like this. So um, they've done that. But unfortunately, football's a cruel game at times and they didn't deserve to lose today, I don't think. Uh, yeah, Dylan Phillips, in, in between the sticks today, he's been given your number one jersey. He made a, a number of excellent saves in that, in, in that second half. So he'd be disappointed that he couldn't come away with a clean sheet. Yep, obviously we're all disappointed because we knew clean sheet, we win the game. I said that before the game. If we if we keep a clean sheet, we, we win it. I knew we'd score. We should have probably maybe took one or two other chances or our final ball, you know, was wasn't wasn't the best today. Um, but yeah, no, didn't done well. Made some good saves. And a couple of weeks ago you were saying you, you, we weren't sure if Darren Prattley for example was going to be fit enough for today's game but was it a case of you, you had to put him in after the injury to Jake yeah we had no choice <laughs> you have no choice you, yeah, we, there's no way we could have started with Taylor Maloney and George in the same in the same uh, starting 11 when they'd never started a, a first team game themselves and especially coming here but I thought George was excellent today he'd done everything we asked and uh in and out of possession, I thought I thought we um, done it himself proud. How's um, Jason Pierce after he had to go off late there with uh, an injury? Uh, I'm not sure. I've not not spoke to the physio about it, but um, I'm sure he'll be fine. We've got well, we've got a week recovery now, so uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine.
and obviously the, the news came out today about, about Jake's injury that he got in, in training during the week. I mean, it's a devastating blow for the player and, and for yourself as well because it's an important part of your team. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Thursday. So, like I said, we, we prepared for this game all week. Um, I named the team on Tuesday. So we worked Tuesday, went, uh, Tuesday and Thursday really to, to sort out how they play, what their strengths are, and obviously to lose Jake on Thursday was, was a massive blow. Um, obviously for us and for himself, because no one wants to see anyone get an injury like what, what he got. And and, and the, the, the strange thing is, it was like it wasn't any contact or anything. It wasn't a tackle. It was just literally running to close someone down, try to stop, and just give way. So um, yeah, the, the kids, the kid was in bits and. and and we all feel for him, you know, because he's been excellent pre-season and, and he's a big part of our side, so uh, a lot of our play goes through him. And with Jake now out for the season, is that another body now you're going to have to try and bring in and will you be able to bring in another one? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we will. I'm sure that, uh, that the owner will give us another midfielder because obviously Jake is, 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 um, is a big part. Thank you. And Lee, just with the trialists who are obviously with the club in pre-season, has a decision been made on, on the likes of Simon Dawkins, Rowan Ince yet? Uh, Rowan Ince is injured. Oh, yeah. So his time will be up with us now. Oh, right. Um, and Dawkins, uh, we'll keep looking at, keep looking at him and, and he'll keep training with us and... Uh, but we'll have to make a decision probably one day this week, I think, um, ahead of next weekend. Yeah, and what's that? Inch's injury? What's what? What's his injury? Inch's injury? Inch's knee. knee. Knee injury. He's got something wrong with his knee, so he had a scan yesterday and he's got something wrong with his knee, but he, he came with it. So how he's been training and playing every day, uh, playing in the games, I, I don't know. So, uh, but yeah, he's, he's injured. Choose to use him. Holmes uses him decoy. Crosses now in towards McGuinness. Headed away. Now it's come to Fossu in the penalty area. Fossu, little step over. Fossu onto his left foot. Tariq Fossu still. Yeah, oh, what a finish. Tariq Fossu, great work to come inside onto his left foot. Couple of step overs, worked a bit of space. His reverse shot past Cairns and Charlotte back ahead. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. 
Back to Charlton Live, just heard there from uh, Lee Bowyer here on Maritime Radio. Spoke to him after yesterday's uh, yesterday's uh, game uh, up at the stadium and like, obviously disappointed um, uh, to, to, to come away with a defeat. But he was proud of his performance and uh, of his players' performance and, and with, with good reason as well. Because as we discussed, we, you know, particularly in the first half, we we, we played well. Now, uh, a few things that, that, that came out of that yesterday, I, I, did, I, I did have to admit when... Um, when he said we won't be signing Ronan in, uh, Ronan Ince because he's injured, I did have a little chuckle to myself because I was like, you know, the, the curse has spread to play. Anyone, anyone who even like has heard of Charlton's going to get injured uh, soon, soon at this rate. But I mean, overall, I mean, you, you you understand his sort of reaction to the game, I guess, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I think he has every right to be proud of them um, because they've implemented everything that he asked of them at very short notice, obviously given the injury that, that occurred at the training ground on Friday, and. Uh, Oh, sorry, on Thursday, and yeah, I think they've done they've done really well, and uh, it was hard to see it on Saturday afternoon, but having now slept on it, there's there is a lot of positives to take out of that, and that we don't actually know where Sunderland are going to finish, but if they are going to be up there, then um, we've gone toe to toe with them and cope very well, and that bodes well for the for the next few games at least until we start to get some of our first first team players fit. Um, he says hopefully that we're going to sign a few more as well so we've obviously only got a week but I think we we, ne- we know we need to do that um, so yeah I think he's got every right to be proud and I think those players did him proud yesterday mm. Bowyer's uh, positivity sort of overall with the situation that we're in and you know sort of doing the best with, with what he's got you know as we know he has to um, I mean some do you, do you think that's the right way to be? I mean, they're talking about promotion, for example. That the aim this season is promotion, and he doesn't want to go for the playoffs. He wants to go for autos because the playoffs are a lottery. Now, you know, from the outside looking in, I mean, I'd be shocked if we're up there challenging with the size of the squad we got. But that is the 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 one aim that he set out, and obviously he used it a lot last season. Um, I mean, do, do you think that's the right way to go? I mean, do, do you think some people think, well, maybe that's a bit naivety, you know, setting your hopes too high? Um, I don't know. I do, and I don't. I, I mean, I don't personally think we're gonna finish top two um, with the players coming back if we stay fit chuckle um, it's, I can't I can't see it you've got, you've got Fosu Clark Vettakele Reeves you know, and Reeves I mean you put them in that team we're more than capable of beating anyone in that league um, but obviously it's six weeks away I don't I don't think you should come out and say oh, well no, we ain't going to finish playoffs I should, you know, I think we should make the p- p- players believe in themselves for mm. sure but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like winning it. I don't think he really knows any other way. Mm. Like he's just being honest. He's a winner, he, isn't he? He genuinely thinks, well, why can't we go up? We, we've got good players, and so he's just saying that. And I think, yeah, I do think it's working because, like you say, it got a performance out of them yesterday, and those players aren't going to be able to do that Saturday, Tuesday, every week, which is why we need more players and why we need the injuries back. But like Nath says, some of the quality that we have got is better than so much of this league. We saw it last season as well. The standard of the league is not good. We just need to be able to cope with a few injuries, and that's the problem that we can't do. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, we we were absolutely on, you know, on on the absolute precipice of of not having a bench yesterday. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, the the fact that Boya seemed so um, unreliant on them when when, when he, he could have brought them on and decided not to suggests that he really didn't want to have to bring any of them on. So, I mean, and that's that the thing I, I mentioned before before we heard from him. Now, the, the thing for me is now. I know we have got these players that are going to come back, but in that in that time, other people are going to go out. You know, especially especially if we were talking about this this rumor that, that the people are talking about now. With with in the independent says that Aribo might be available for a million pounds, and I'd I would pay a million pounds for Joe Aribo if I was if I was a 
Championship or a Premier League player because it's a, that's no risk at all. A million pounds is nothing in football these days. So you know, if 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 we lose any more before getting in, you know, who are we going to get in? You know, even the trialists are getting injured. I mean, uh, is certain we're going to have some more bodies in before next week, but who are they going to be and are they going to be up to that level? Now, all this cost-cutting and looking at a bench yesterday and the fact that because we didn't have a real bench and it's, it's all well and good having a nice 11, you know, when fit, you know, in six weeks' time, we'll probably have a very good starting 11, but it won't last forever, for sure. Now, surely Roland's taken a bit of a chance here because the takeover hasn't gone through yet and for all the, you know... At one point, we were expecting it to go through last February, and we're still. This is still dragging on. I mean, if it's dragged on that long, there's no reason why it couldn't drag on for another six months. You know, for all, for all we know, if we get relegated this season, then surely Roland is not going to be able to get the same amount of money for the club that he's supposedly going to be able to get now. So why is he taking this risk? Why on earth is he taking the risk? I mean, I'm not saying we are going to get relegated. I think you know, there's so much dross in this league as we saw last season that we. We do well to get relegated above all that, but why are we taking this risk? Well, I don't know, and that's what confuses me. I mean, he wants what? What's, what's the rumor about forty million? But he wants forty-seven like to cover certain aspects of the club or whatever. Which, but then surely, if you start selling all your assets, so you've sold McGuinness to an extent, but you know you like your rebos and stuff, then surely that reduces the value of the club, no? So then that's that's what I'm struggling to get. Is if he's doing this, then it will reduce the value of the club. So then the takeover should be going through quicker. No, is that not how it works? Because no one's going to pay 40 or whatever it is million for when it was back at when it was agreed, apparently, to now, because you've got hardly any players. I know you've cut the electric bill by maybe 50 quid a month or whatever it is, but <laughs> do you know, I don't, I don't know. It just baffles me. And he's obviously, if we did get relegated, you're probably looking at half that, maybe even more. You're probably looking at like 15 million or something. Because who's going to want to buy a League 2 club? Mm. Especially for that amount of with money. With the overheads that we're going to incur with the ground and everything, it's mm. not. You're going to have to cut everything, and he's he's got he's playing a dangerous game because if if he sells Joe, I said earlier, I think that's the fight. That's when I'm going to start getting angry because mm. we will be on our knees, literally. I honestly think that. I mean, is, is relegation a serious proposition? A, a, ser- a serious risk this season? I don't think so, but like Nath says, if if Aribo goes and Bauer goes this week and we get to the end of the window and we haven't signed anyone, then I might change my mind. But I, I just think we do have enough quality. I, we could easily finish down there, easily, but I, I do think we've got enough to stay up. But you're, what you're both saying is completely right. He is walking a very dangerous line, and I, I completely understand the want to, to cut costs and save himself some money while this goes through. But how long is he going to keep doing that for? Because it's been going through supposedly for five months now and it hasn't happened. So if it takes another five months or another six months, how much is he going to have to start cutting? He's cut players, he's cutting all this stuff at the training ground. But you're just going to have, what, 10 players or 11 players and just play your youth team? Like It gets to the point where you just think every single person that leaves this building, he's not replacing them. Okay, Prattley and Taylor have come in, but backroom staff and playing personnel now, people are leaving day after day after day and he's not replacing them with anyone. And you can't run a football club like that because if that was to continue over the next five or six months, then we'd, even just as a football club existing, we're in real trouble. My thing is that it, it just can't drag on that long. It can't. And if it does, then I think we're in very serious trouble. I mean, Richard uh, Corley on uh, South London Press Sports Editor put on his back page on Friday. If you you can you can go and on, onto the the South London Press website and, and read this story now about 
uh, whether the Keith Harris, who was involved something to do with Everton, mm. is now scrambling around trying to find uh, you know extra funding for the Australians to try and keep their bid alive. Now, yeah. if that is the case, that we're in a situation where the bid may or may not be kept alive now. <clears throat> I mean that. I mean, where on earth will we go next if that doesn't happen? Because so far, the Australians seem to be the ones most likely to play this bizarre high price for the club. Mm-hmm. So if they if they don't come in, you know, irrelevant to, to the transfer situation because you know, it's not, they're not going to sort it out between now and Thursday, unfortunately. So if they fall through and then we ain't got nothing in January, for example, I mean, what's if, all... if the takeover falls through, then I think relegation's well within our reach. Yeah. Like it's a very so it's for. yeah yeah. <laughs> Very, very real possibility mm. because we're, we're relying on that. Like you say, even if, let's say the takeover doesn't go through and Roland then decides, okay, well, as I've got them for a little while, I want to make sure they stay in this league. He's not suddenly going to lump out five million in January. He's going to bring in a few loan players like he has every other year when we've been struggling and try and limp us through to the end of the season and that ain't going to work. So. Mm. Right, let's, uh, we've got you all in the mood for it now. Let's have a look at some <laughs> of the, the correspondence. Obviously, there, there was a game of football yesterday, as, as we have discussed in the... Uh, James Moynihan was the first one involved uh, straight after the game. He says, I'm gutted after that. I didn't think that Sunderland deserved the three points. Pretty even over 90 minutes, but as usual, we don't take our chances. We need uh, to control the game for 90 minutes. Considering the difference in the two clubs at the moment, though, I thought the 11 men on the pitch uh, did us proud. And like I say, you can't, you can't argue with that. The, Not at all. The fact that, you know, the 11 men, and that, again, that, that's what I'm going to say. Like, you know, under Bowyer, under Jackson, this this unity they've got within this squad, you know, like I say, sprinkling of quality throughout the team, and when we get our injuries back, you know that we're not going to be throwing in the towel. It's just a case of well, you know, sometimes if you're trying your best, but there's no subs and there's no, you know, unfortunately you're playing, you have to play too many young players who aren't ready to, all, all at once at the same time. Then you know, you, no matter how hard you try, it's, it's, it might not be enough, and, that, and that's what I'm that's what I'm mostly worried about. I'm, you know, I'm not really. I'm, I'm never. I don't think I'm ever going to find a, a, a too much criticism for the management at the moment in terms of Jackson and, and Boya because I, I think they're going to do the best of what they've got. Yeah, and that's all they can do. I mean, yesterday um, when we was talking about subs, we're not obviously trying to make make subs to go and win the game three 0 but just to manage the game better. Fresh legs and you know fresh minds, especially in that heat, would come in handy. And but he, like you say, he couldn't do it. Who's he going to bring on? Bring on Taylor Maloney for his first league game. He's not. He, what if he crumbles? You know what I mean? It's like. So you know they always say like, was it uh, the blooming tradesman never blames his tools or whatever? But he can, he can, but he won't because mm. Bowie is too proud to do that. And if he starts doing that, then it will show the players will start disbelieving. And so he's got to keep positive. And that's all, what can he do? I mean, I don't think any other manager in the world could do is do much better than what he's doing at the moment. Mm. Uh, right, a tweet came in from uh, Ev James. Uh, says, so we go again with such a paper-thin squad. Uh, with that in mind, we didn't play that bad. We lost, but only because we ran out of steam. Players coming in are imminent, so happy days are to come. It's the first game, so let's see after six games. Uh, and he says, are there phones, phoning yet? We're not actually doing the the Love Sport phoning show anymore this season, unfortunately. We uh, just became too much, really, for the three of us to doing the show three times a week. So uh, we're not going to be doing that. Uh, but you say, I mean, Ev's there, sort of obviously caught up with the fact now that we do have a, quite a thin squad, as per what uh, I've said over, over summer, and Jason Pierce said it himself at the time. I remember Ev was a bit, oh, come on, you've got to be more positive. But, you know... We, we are trying to be positive as, as we can because it's the start of a new season. But people, um, people are going to see the, the cracks in the squad. You know, the worst thing about when Ev tweeted me saying, oh, you've got to be more positive, was bloody Thomas Dryzen like that tweet. And I was like, come on, mate, you're the one who got us into this bloody mess in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's what Ev's saying. Then he goes on and says, let's get used 
uh, to the idea that the club is not being sold. We need to get together and give the players belief that we want them to do well. Passion and desire always gives a sense of purpose, so stop the stay away and show that we all care for our club. Now, obviously, that, that, that's, that's Ev's views. I mean, the, we, we know there's plenty of people boycotting or staying away for, for different reasons. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you can question anyone's love for the club, and I never will, but uh, whether they're coming or, or not coming. Um, uh, getting behind the players, so I think everyone everyone does. Everyone you said how proud they were of the performance yesterday. Um, you know, people pick out individual this and that because that's football. That's that's how it works. But yeah, I mean, with, with this takeover hanging over them, if if we do have to get used to the club not being sold, as Zev says there, then that's slightly worrying. Yeah, we spoke about it actually on Friday night before the game, and we were running through the squad, and we I'm not going to name names, but we said there's maybe at most one or two that we wouldn't call. Charlton players the majority of that squad are you know they they understand what it means to play for Charlton they they give everything for Charlton and okay sometimes maybe they lack a bit of quality but they always give 100% and you know, that sign over the tunnel at the valley that says this team never gives up I think it's a bit cheesy and I don't particularly like it but we need to show that now because like Ev says that's not going to get us to the title or anything like that this season but that might be what prevents us from slipping even further down and they showed that on Saturday and they shouldn't be disheartened by the fact that they lost that game because he's right that teamwork and that spirit that can get you a long way it'd be interesting to see when we come up against hopefully slightly lesser opposition at the weekend no no disrespect to them but they're obviously going through a transition as well having lost their manager and there's quite a few personnel changes there as well so yeah, it's um, look, it's a long season. It's one game. Um, we don't want to read too much into that result because we were thirty seconds away from getting a very good point against the team that last season were playing the division above. So, mm, two seasons ago in the Premier League. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right in saying. Obviously, next our next game is Saturday uh, up at Shrewsbury, which is um, it's good. One, one, if there is one positive to, to come out of yesterday, is that I found out the Milton Keynes Cup game isn't this Tuesday because I was literally going to leave my work at about four o'clock on Tuesday. <laughs> Get to Milton Keynes, there's going to be no one there because it turns out the cup game's the week after. So our next game is Shrewsbury on Saturday. No one make the mistake that I was going to make. Right, Kai Williams says, now, I, 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 I just tweeted out from the, from the Charlton Live account saying, uh, what did you make of the, of the defeat? And, and straight away, Kai says, uh, we needed Ben Amos. I mean, do you think Ben Amos would, would save either of those two goals? Uh, possibly the first one, but you don't know because I still think it was it should have been stopped before he had the shot. Um, but I said, yeah, deals probably wouldn't be too delighted with it which you could see wasn't but I don't think uh, it was a good header it was a great header the second one um, but then it, like I said Dill's made a couple of good saves before that so I don't, I don't think it would have made a, uh, any much of a difference but it's all hindsight isn't it in my mm. opinion anyway yeah, and then Kai uh, added a second tweet. Didn't deserve to lose that. A good performance, but ran out of steam uh, way too quickly. And says the Charlton fans were class as always. Yeah, they sounded uh, sounded good from from where we were set up. We can actually see them where we were in the in the we were in the very back row of the stand uh, to the right of the Charlton fans as, as they were facing the pitch. And and you, the Charlton fans, were in the top tier of the stand behind the goal. So I, we couldn't see them, and they couldn't see us because the, the roof going down. But I'm, I'm guessing it's about 800 or so uh, up there yesterday. And they certainly made themselves uh, heard in particular. Uh, in the first half when, when we were doing doing well. Now, Jesse 
Uh, tweeted an excellent first half, which surprised me. Absolutely gutted to see the game end the way it did. Would have been pleased with one point. Overall, an okay performance, but the players' fitness seems a problem, and we desperately need to strengthen the squad. Now, interesting about the fitness, I was, we did tire. I mean, I mean, like, as, as we say, I mean, we, we spoke to Pagey after, and, and, and you'll read that in the, in the SLP tomorrow, but Pagey was sort of saying, oh, you know, we were, we were sapped by the heat, and it was mm. hot down there. And you imagine, like, everyone says apparently at Wembley, it's always much hotter pitch side because of you're in an incline bowl and that's pretty much the same at Sunderland so I'm guessing you know when you're running around and you're getting knackered that's when you want to throw on some fresh legs but Bowyer obviously was very reluctant to do so with what he had available on the bench yeah and we called it even just before half time I think Taylor I can't remember if he went down or not but he looked to be limping a little bit and uh, as the whistle went uh, Hackett Fairchild was straight up warming up and we were like okay maybe he's even going to make a change now and he obviously didn't but the longer the game on him and, and Grant in particular and, and Prattley in the middle um, they just started to look tired, and I don't personally. I don't think that is a fitness issue. I think it was a combination of the heat and the fact they were just up against it because they were being put under a lot of pressure, and the pressing they put on in the first half did eventually wear them out. And like you say, you look at the players that Sunderland were able to bring on. Okay, Oviedo and Jerome Sinclair as two examples, but they were just able to bring on class, and uh, it isn't any disrespect to those players because Naby Sarr can come on and do a job, and a Jose can come on and do a job as well when you're maybe looking to snatch snatch a goal when you're one one nil down or something like that but they're not players you would bring on to try and see out a game and like Nafe says someone in the past like a Bradley Pritchard or someone to come and shore things up we just we haven't got those options at the moment hmm uh, right, back onto the the tweets again. Paul Ferguson, great first half, but a massive problem uh, was that we couldn't change anything tactically the second half. Not much Bayer can do uh, with no options on the bench to improve things or change it up. If we can only play one way, then I doubt we'll be in the top half of the table. I mean, like I said, with what we had, I mean, obviously, we talk about how Sunderland matched us up. Do you reckon there's anything we could have done differently just with the personnel, just mm. to try and see, see it out? Yeah, I sort of agree with Paul. I mean, the only thing I probably would have done is maybe... Uh, brought a Jose or Hackett Fairchild on just to push him back 10 yards with fresh legs and pace that's the only I mean you couldn't I wouldn't have brought Maloney on even though Prattley was you know he's not done 90 minutes has he so mm. uh, just through experience he might not be able to run because he's not you know he's still behind in terms of fitness I think he done a he done a lot for the positioning sense for the younger lads um, but yeah that was the only change I would do is maybe could have brought Taylor off but then he held the ball up well extremely well when it went up to him very rarely but um, yeah I would have just brought on a bit of pace just push him, push, push him back but that's what I mean five subs what can you do mm, Daniel Daniel says didn't take our chances let a soft goal in and the home fans got behind them unlucky not to take uh, at least a point I'm proud of my club but disappointed with the owner and he hopes that he sells up uh, as soon as possible uh, right uh, keep going through the tweets uh BH1990 CFC says good first half hour or so bench was embarrassing though he says interesting comments from Solarco that would never want to leave the valley now you were on the uh, Love Sport Radio the other day Nathan. Mm. and I have to admit I haven't, I haven't listened to it but you said John Solarco uh, put something out there for you mm. um, what was it but, well I mean I, I, I don't know someone said to me today um, what the story was and we, we were just talking about uh, this, the current predicament we're in and then he went on to say that he knew someone or he's been speaking to someone regularly about they really want to uh, invest in Charlton, but you know they would there'll be certain elements that we'd have to agree to, maybe like the stadium or something like that. 
Um, so that's all it was. I don't know how you know how true it is, or if there's any found that you didn't back it up with anything. It was mm. just I was told. So it is interesting, but we don't know how true it is. Um, but you know, I can say that oh, I know someone who wants to buy the club. It doesn't mean anything. Um, but I would at the time I thought well, with Solarco, you know, he's obviously got contacts in football, um, and I put it out there, but. Obviously, it's not happening because otherwise it's, it's just the Australians are interested, isn't it? Apparently, mm. so <laughs> obviously they don't want to snoot too much. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I think you take you take probably yeah. what he'd say is sort of a pinch of salt, really. And exactly. Be, I personally would be surprised. I mean, people have discussed the, the viability of, work, of building the valley and stuff, and I think a lot of people have said, well, actually, if you think about it, it's actually quite a difficult site to work with. Mm. Uh, for starters, apparently, it's, it's registered as a, a sports ground or whatever, so you'd have to get that chain, all, all these different things, and you know, the access to, to, to Floyd Road is actually not great, especially if you want to bring lorries down to build mm. stuff. So loads of different things about that. So, I mean... Uh, I'd be surprised if it's true. I, I, I have to admit, I've never really turned to John Solarco as <laughs> like, you know, if, if I'm ever looking for answers to any questions, if I'm being quite honest. So, uh, so, so I'm not so sure uh, about that one. Right, Stuart Court uh, said the first half was good, the second half not so good, uh, which is which is probably fair to say. Uh, Will Bolland says, please read this tonight on the on the on the show. Charlton Nova says, remember, Trump fans, it's always darkest before the dawn. Keep the faith and it's interesting that tweet is dated uh, the 21st of February he first said that so he's still still desperately trying to keep the faith <laughs> uh, 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 so, so hopefully uh, ho- hopefully that'll be uh, the, the situation uh, uh, as we go on right Bob Liskam evening guys he said well, he's asking as well do you think there's any truth in the John Solarco uh, rumours as I said I'm not, I'm not really sure but but, mm. but you know that's a it's all here saying it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He uh, said, she said. Yeah, uh, Richard, uh, Richard Justin says, possible keepers, Matthews, Ripley and Woodman have all been linked. Now, I think Richard, put, again, put those on the in the paper a, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, I mean, we, again, we don't really know. I mean, Boya was hoping to. I mean, if there was one a specific one that he knows, then surely he would have gone out and got him by now, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm with Tom. I think if you get a, uh, an older guy, I'd, I'd do that just to push deals. I just don't see the point in... Enhancing a young a youngster's career who's not our own. I really don't see the point in it because if you do get this Ripley or whoever, and then Dills has got to go because Dills has to play. Mm. Um, he's at the age now; he has to play. What's the point? What are we going to do next year? Just say to Dills, "Oh yeah, you got to be on the bench again." Mm. I get a journeyman in, and then put, let get him to push Dills and pass pass on these sort of experience. Yeah, right. Sebo uh, says moments like yesterday are always tough to take, but it's not. Uh, but that is not football sometimes, but sport sometimes, and sport can. Uh, sometimes have the horrible, uncanny knack of kicking you in the ghoulies. I'm afraid, and uh, Seb, you, you, you're not wrong there. It's uh, particularly painful, of course, though, when it happens to uh, to Cholton uh, <laughs> getting kicked in the uh, in the old Cholton ghoulies. Uh, there, right? Jonathan Ackworth says a message to Roland: just sell the club and do not get uh, the FA involved. Uh, uh, and do I would say and do one get the FA involved. They need to sort this mess out before it ends uh, up like the Oysters at Blackpool, if not worse. Now, I mean. I, for, you know, the FA are supposedly trying to tighten up or have tried to tighten up their fit and proper persons test which is obviously good because it's obviously needed but at the same time I, I still don't understand and, and maybe someone can put me right on this how what really I mean that, that what what rule can the FA bring in to stop so, stop someone taking over a club and let's say it's not Roland who's trying to think oh actually I'm going to try and do this and this and this let's say it's someone's taken over Oldham local businessman sort of the earth guy you know, born born within the, the 500 yards of Boundary Park, loves the club, takes them over. 
well, actually, I ain't actually got that much money, though, so I'm going to try and do as do my best I can, but we can't sign that many players. We're going to, oh, we've got relegated. Oh, that's happened. I mean, what's what's different between that and Roland saying, actually, I don't want to spend any of my billions anymore or my millions anymore? What's the difference and what can the FA do to stop that happening? It's not not a lot because it's the same as any in any business. I know it's, football's not exclusive. Um, it is a business. If he chooses not to put more... Um, resources into the club he's not actually doing anything illegal yeah he might be he might be careless and he's making the wrong decisions which we all know he is but he's not actually doing anything illegal so I don't know he can't be charged for anything mm. unless he does something you know illegal or he goes goes takes it into, into into administration or something he's, at the moment he's just not getting putting his hand in his pocket which I mean, isn't illegal yeah Jonathan follows up with that could ad- administration work for Charlton right now I said well why on earth would Roland put the club into administration because then he does lose everything that he's wasted already anyway but there's no way he gets it back so surely that makes absolutely no sense that, no. that he do that and I've seen no reason kind of done it didn't they yeah but they uh, yeah, odd, I mean, odd ones didn't they yeah exactly yeah <laughs> uh, right Garmi and uh, Bob have both asked me the same question uh, pretty much saying has anyone asked uh, why Boya has anyone asked Boya about registering Jacko as a player again <laughs> I mean, come on. We might as well get Derek Ailes in. I mean, obviously not quite the same, but we can't... <laughs> it's a bit harsh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's not quite the same, actually. But, I hope he's listening. But, but we, can't, we can't just go back. We can't just no. go back and, you know, he's retired now and Jacko's got his new He's got his new role that he's going to be very good at as well. So, I mean, we can't just start... I mean, that would be a real sign of desperate... I love Jacko and always have, but, I mean, that would be a real desperate measure if we if that happens. Mm, yeah. Still cost him a wage as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got... There are players out there that we can bring in. And I understand, and we said this on Thursday show, I understand Boya not wanting to bring bodies through that aren't going to improve us. To be honest, we're getting to the stage now where any players will do. Just anyone that can can make a difference. And uh, you know, it, I'm not saying you sign someone from Conference North who's played two games and <laughs> you know some 35 year old right back or something like that. But there's Keith got Gillespie. yeah, there's got to be players out of contract who are yeah. around who would just be able to do a job yeah. when you're. One all at the stadium alight. I mean, it's not going to happen again this season. But <laughs> we're not going to be a yeah, Those kind of scenarios, just a couple of bodies that can do that, even. And yeah. at, like, if anyone's seen the Valley Pass interview with Boyo, he says 100% we're making signings yeah. this week. So he's going to look pretty silly if if we don't. So I'm kind of. I trust him and I assume there are people. I've heard Charlton in Victor have got a fringe squad player who's, who'd happy to do a job. If he, <laughs> are you up for it now? For? Well, I've seen the tackles. He puts in, he'd do a job in the 90th minute. Richard Justin says, remember Oviedo was in the Costa Rica World Cup squad. Mm. No other League One club will have that quality. Uh, Hey-ho, Rothkohl says, we'll do very well uh, to not be involved in a relegation battle. The squad is far too thin. The likes of Lapsley aren't ready for this and there is no sign of any light uh, at the end of this dark tunnel. And that's why, I mean, trying to find the right balance. So, so we on, I was on the train back from Newcastle today and had to write my paper report. It's going to go in for Tuesday about yesterday's game, which is more, rather than just a list of what's happened, it's like trying to analyse what the state of the club and what we can learn from this game. And I was thinking, like, I mean, obviously, you know, I was, I was you know, on a bit of a downer from a good night out last night and you're a bit tired and you're thinking, I hope I'm not being too doom and gloom here, but if if this week we don't see some serious good business at this club then we will be bottom half I reckon I hate to say it because mm. you know I, lo- I love some of the players of this team I love the manager I think, I think he's doing the best of what he can I love the, the assistant manager as well but as I say, like trying your best ain't going to be enough when you, mm. when yeah, if you've been asked to go and build a skyscraper and they've given you two bricks and a hammer, you ain't mm. going to do it. I've no. just had a look at the odds, and we're twelve to one to go up, um, or to win the league, and we're twelve to one to get relegated. 
And I think that sums it up. No one, I know odds aren't everything, but no one can figure us out as a team. And I think yesterday's raised a bit more awareness to the general public about the state of our club. The fact that we named that bench and the fact they'll have been watching players they've probably never heard of. But then they would have seen that but, performance and yeah. then thought, oh, actually, maybe yeah. maybe, and, maybe it's being blown out of proportion. And that's the juxtaposition that's so confusing yeah. because you just can't work us out at the moment. Mm. We might now go and win our next five games with those players and who knows, but... Yeah. Or this takeover might roll on and on and on and Roland decides he's cutting goalkeepers to save some money and we've got to play with 10 players every week. So who knows? I who think, knows? Like, even when you go back to the interviews of Piercy and Jake in the, in, the, yeah. in the summer, they both said, yeah, we're good players, but we do need bodies in. Yeah. And that's them not saying that we're not good enough. They're saying, like, you can't realistically, have a squad like this. We, we struggled at certain... I yeah. mean, look at last Christmas... Mm. We struggled last Christmas because I mean, of the amount of injuries. Season and we've got before, season before last, season people forget. Season before last, we flirted with relegation yeah. to League Two. Yeah. And it was only the last five games that we mm. won that took us away from that. Because I remember, uh, you know, I think we, we beat Scunthorpe on a Tuesday night. And that was our first win in eight games, and mm. we were in desperate straits before mm. that. After we'd lost at Shrewsbury, and we'd lost at Northampton as well. Uh, Page's uh, interview tomorrow, he ain't, he ain't saying no different to what to what Jake and to and to yeah. what Piercy said as well about the squad size. He, he describes us. I mean, again, you'll, you'll read the headlines in the paper tomorrow. We said we're effectively a development team at the moment, and that's and that's true. Mm. Uh, right, one hundred percent, Charlton. Now, this is a good one. This is a good question, actually. What are your thoughts on Bayern not using a Jose yesterday? Now, Richard again reporting that a Jose could well be off, given a really low squad number twenty five. Mm. For, for whatever reason, has never seemed to settle at Charlton. May well be leaving before. I'd be surprised if he doesn't, just because you could probably get a couple of quid for him. So, but I mean, the desperate times call for desperate measures. I remember Tony Watt in between his loans at Blackburn and Cardiff. We needed him. We played him for one game before loaning him out again. Was there any reason not to use him tomorrow or yesterday? I don't even? think so because he's still our player, and I I think it's clear that Bowyer just doesn't particularly fancy him. I don't know. I imagine we're paying him quite a lot, so I don't know who's prepared to take those wages. I suspect he's happy enough to stay here and get those wages, even if he's perhaps not playing. But uh, if rumours are to be believed, he's had offers from abroad, so I'm sure that's going to turn his head. But I think I completely agree with you, like we did with with what if he's our player at the moment, and even if you don't rate him or whatever, I know there was that incident from at Wimbledon away last year between the two of them. But yesterday, you could tell, like Nate says, okay, Taylor was holding the ball up well, but he was dead on his feet by the end, and. I wonder what would have happened had we thrown him on. Um, and I think, you know, while he's here, we've, we've got to use him because the squad's thin enough as it is. But if Bowyer doesn't fancy him, then I, why name him on the bench in the first place? I suppose mm. would be my question. Yeah, I guess it'd be embarrassing to have literally no one on the bench. <laughs> Could have done it. <laughs> would have been an interesting yeah. statement, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, uh, I've had a DM actually from Arthur Roberts and it's a, it's a good one here. Hi, never commented uh, before but I'm a bit lost as to why you think that Roland is bothered about football. You keep making this assumption. Could he be trying to force uh, the old owners to relinquish their control and hand him total control? And I think now that there was obviously this £7 million worth of loans to the club from former directors. Now the exact ins and out of that, uh, you know, when it gets repaid or who... You because know, the, the, some people suggesting that the reason the takeover hasn't gone through is because of some sort of disagreement over whether that will be paid before or just roll over again. Now, Rick Everett's a better source on that for, for me, if you if you want to get that explained properly. Uh, but I think that's what Arthur's uh, referring to here. Uh, he says, a good article by the Hungarian club fans. Roland is only interested in money uh, and this is tied up in real estate prices. As for a customer statement by them, do you not think that we have taken up this stance by staying away? If we want uh, water for the players maybe we should turn up and pay 
I have not seen I have seen this all before because he is not different to the Glicksteins. Hope the spelling is okay. It's fine. Uh, they did uh, the same for us uh, for years. Believe me, I'm 71 and my father and uncle all supported the club right through from the 20s. Yet our only good period was with Curbs uh, and, and, and the directors we had then. How could the fans get together uh, with the old directors and establish a 51% holding and kick out for these... Uh, uh, the, and kick out for good these carpet baggers. Uh, as for planning changes, not a problem with the current uh, changes. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, but we all need a new way of attacking Roland, not by alienating him uh, with notes in his mailbox that will only annoy him more. He's a millionaire owner. What can we do? Uh, whatever he wants, because he does uh, this at all these clubs. He said he's sorry, but he's just fed up. That's from uh, Arthur Roberts there. So I mean, obviously, you know, talk to him about how can will fans be tempted to protest again now? Because I mean. Officially, the line is the club's trying to be sold, but it hasn't been sold. I understand there was some sort of note passed into his uh, flat by something to do with the Belgian 20 today. I sort of only just saw, saw the tweaks when I was getting off the train at uh, King's Cross after after coming back from Newcastle. So I haven't got the full story on that yet. But um, And he also says, why why do you assume that Ronan's... I mean, that, I mean again, it is, I don't think any of us are really thinking that he cares about the football anymore. And we can see that in, in, in the team that he's putting out. He's, he's allowing us to put out. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing because it just seems like <clears throat> there's not much that we can do. I mean, you're going to have people that protest, which is, is their right. You're going to have people that don't come to the games. You're going to have people that do come to the game. Um, and I think that's just where the frustration is because you don't know where what what he's thinking or what his plans are. Um, he probably doesn't care about the club. He probably does, but he. I don't think he's that bothered because he's a, like you say, he's a billionaire. So him funding his losses he'll keep doing that as long as he gets his money that he wants but mm. and that's the frustrating thing it just seems like it's just forever it's just going on forever it's like Groundhog Day for mm. the last two years yeah right on the Trouble Knife Forum Shirty Five asked us if the lights are working in the studio now, no we are in the dark I know he said that as a joke but genuinely like, the majority of the light bulbs in here have gone out but We've got two out of yeah what Two out of one, five, six. Five, two out of five, six. Now, one of them's my fault because it started flickering last season. I tried to turn it. I accidentally broke it. So I'm, yeah. I put my hands up for that. The rest of them, I just don't know how to get it fixed, to be honest, because I don't work here. So, yeah. <laughs> no one does. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fun Bluff then started making up jokes about the, the toilets. Uh, you're not allowed to flush them anymore. Uh, that's, not, <laughs> that's not quite true. Now, Jimmy uh, Dutton actually walked back to the station with some of the players got the, the train back yesterday. Uh, obviously it's much quicker to get the train back and uh, Jim Jim walked back with him and said they were under the players run that he obviously chatted with him they are unhappy uh, with the challenge on Pierce by Gooch they felt was a red card uh, particularly annoyed as uh, without Pierce Gooch was able to pop up and score the winner a minute later and he said that Pierce has a, a scan today and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll find out the, re- the results of that scan uh, as soon as possible which uh, the, the, the club will let us know when they know uh, Phil said very sad watching the boys play their hearts out yesterday with only five subs and only two of them have any first team experience uh, our club is slowly being destroyed by Duchatelet I just cannot believe why the EFL have not called Roland in to explain his actions the Aussies are not helping either with the longest takeover on record Record, uh, dare to dream that John Salako on Love Sport uh, Radio is not on a huge wind-up. Uh, I mean that. I mean, uh, I'm sure he's not on a wind-up as such. So I just I think uh, he's probably got his wires crossed. Yeah, or just w- whether he's as informed as you have. I'm sure that I'm sure there's plenty of businessmen who go around saying, "Oh, I'd quite like to invest in this and that." Buy a yacht and a football club. Yeah, one exactly. Day or yeah. Uh, so, so we'll uh, we'll find out. I guess right. Albert Rossi says, "Louis, if we'd won on Saturday, would have covered over the cracks and people saying our team." Is not too bad. I mean, it certainly would have. I mean, it, they, they would have. I mean, they wouldn't. I don't think we quite deserve to win. But if they'd got something out of that, they would have deserved it. But certainly, I mean, uh, it, 
it's, it's over the course of a season. We are we are still concentrating on one game that we're pleased with our performance in. We're still lost, and uh, it's, it's how this squad and, and with players, whether they're coming back or not, how that's going to survive over the course of the season. Bob says, a why on earth? Uh, sorry, he says, hang on, guys, aren't we forgetting uh, that the injured players will come back in five to six weeks? So it's not all doom and gloom. Well, hopefully uh, it won't be too late by then. Right, let's have a quick break. We've still got a few emails to uh, to discuss and then uh, a couple of topics which I, I asked some questions about. We'll come back in 30 seconds. Occupying that left hand side at the moment. Little step over onto his left foot. Marshall. Ball in the box is good. And Rebo first time. Oh, what a goal. Lovely finish. Oh, what a goal. Joe Rebo gives Charlton the lead. Great ball in from Mark Marshall on the left hand side. Chips it in. And a Rebo with a calm left footed volley. And found the bottom right corner and Charlton have the lead. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Final 10 minutes of uh, this evening's show. Uh, looking back at yesterday's 2-1 defeat against uh, Sunderland. Uh, during that game, George Lapsey, of course, made his uh, his debut. Charlton fan as a boy. Um, come up through the academy, captain the, the under-18s as well, didn't he, when they won the PLD2 uh, trophy a couple of times over the last few years. So uh, uh, it's always great to see a Charlton fan in the team and see a young player get his opportunity. And, and yesterday, I thought he, he, he took it, really, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I thought he was brilliant yesterday. He, um, I didn't see him in, in the checker trade game last year. But I saw him play when he came on. Was it against Blackpool? Mm. Thought he struggled a bit. Um, as Nave said earlier, I think a bit rabbit in headlights. But yesterday, he put himself about. He's he doesn't look like he's bulked up at all, but he seemed to be a bit stronger. He was certainly tenacious and getting himself involved in tackles. He looked calm on the ball as well, waiting to see where the movement was, not panicking. Um, there's there's clearly a good player in there. Otherwise, we wouldn't have kept on holding him for so long and, and giving him his opportunity and. He's someone who I hope we can give more opportunities to throughout the season. I just hope they're not forced on him and we end up playing him for 30-odd games this season because mm. that's not fair on him. He needs to be managed because he's still a young player, but there are signs there yesterday that he's he looks like a very good talent. Mm. Yeah, because I think it's easy to forget that I think only really in Joe Gomez have I ever seen a young player come in and be able to mm. play as many games as you want straight away. And obviously, he, he, you know, if he hadn't got his long-term in, injury at Liverpool, I imagine he'd be in the first team at Liverpool every week now as well. Um, so it's very rare other than that you look at Carlin he's sort of really grown into it last couple of years remember how much it destroyed him really playing too young uh, so yeah you hope we don't have to overuse him because he's such a youngster but um, impressive yesterday Andrew Wheaton said he was impressive had good energy uh, Stewart said he'll be a regular uh, in the 11 this season if the young man stays fit and healthy and James says decent hope he gets a run uh, in the side I've heard lots of good things about him now before I go on to the emails as well one of the other things uh, that, that, that came out of yesterday of course as, as I mentioned earlier uh, we were finally able to report the worst kept secret that, that Jake uh, unfortunately had uh, uh, had suffered a, a season ending injury before the season even started so I, I just asked uh, how much of a miss people will think uh, he will be James uh, said massive in my opinion he can run a game and when he is at it uh, and everything can go through him. Uh, we won't get nearly as good a stand-in if Bo does sign someone. I'm gutted for, for Jake as well. Uh, Stuart said, huge as the owner will replace him with Mr. N.O. Body. <laughs> and uh, Sammy said, uh, it's massive, uh, but we're heartened by the performance uh, yesterday. If we can get a like-for-like like replacement, then we should be okay. Spending then tweeted us saying something to, to talk about, and this was, like I said, this, this rumour about Rebo going to, to Southampton. I mean, it, it's just, just a rumour this as it sounds. So the Independent put that in their their uh, report about how bad everything is, that he'd be available for £1 million. And so, I mean, like I say, I, I, 
if he's available for one million pounds, I might get one minute where if I could scrape a few pennies together, I'd buy him just get him around the house because I mean that that is an absolute steal for mm. for, for Joe Rebo. So if he is available for that amount of money, then uh, we we could be in the uh, in big trouble. I mean, Bo said he's sure. I, I, I only framed the question as, do you think you'll get someone in? And he went, yeah, I'm sure you'll let me get someone in. And I put that put that quote out, and everyone thought he was being sarcastic. I think, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Kai says, I actually love Charlton Live. Oh, thanks, Kai. We love you too. Um, 100% Charlton Bowyer uh, said we will get a goalkeeper, a centre-back and a central a midfielder but if a Jose goes won't we need another striker as well? Um, I don't know possibly but I think you've got I think you so who have we got we've got Taylor you've got Vettel Fos who could play up there Clark plays in the hole we could but I wouldn't be you've got Hackett Fairchild and got, I wouldn't be that bothered if we didn't because I think we'll have enough firepower with Vettel Taylor mm. Carlin because you only can only play two at a time can't you you ain't going to play three but I'd rather I'd rather get Jose's wages off the book and strengthen in another yeah. area, Same. especially with Jake now. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to play big money for the ball player. Well, yeah. let's have a look at the emails. Chris Davin says it's heartbreak. Nothing but a heartbreak hits you when it's too late. Hits you when you're down. Bonnie Tyler, new thing, uh, newer thing about uh, or two about Charlton did the Welsh warbler. <laughs> uh, oh well, we travelled uh, to Sunderland full of trepidation, left full of hope. So unlucky not to get the richly deserved point, but hey ho, we go again. Could be worse. Uh, could have spent money, bought in seven or eight new signings, and suffered our worst ever first day league defeat. Eat your heart out, Robbo. Yeah, Oxford got a. <laughs> Had a, had a difficult result yesterday, didn't they? Uh, they 4-0 at yeah. someone. They lost 4-0 to, didn't they? Uh, I can't say I've seen the, the goals yet, so I, I shan't pass judgment on that yet. Uh, he, he, says, blamed, he hung his players out to dry, I think. Oh, did he? Yeah. Good. How dare they not play for Robbo? Uh, I hope that we do. Uh, if we do sign a keeper, it's as backup to Phillips and not the other way around. And I agree wholeheartedly with Chris. I've wanted Phillips to, to play last season as well, to be honest, before Rudd came in. Uh before Amos came in even uh, people criticising him for Sunderland's first goal yet failing to praise him for a couple of outstanding saves give him mm. a break he says I'll leave you with this conundrum <laughs> where have all the good men gone and where are all the gods where's all the streetwise Hercules to fight against the odds and then he put maybe Joe Rebo <laughs> I hope he gives us a lyric every week <laughs> yeah, thanks, uh, thanks Chris great to hear you uh, from you again Greg Harris hi all I can only imagine that how every fan that made that long trip Saturday felt when the announcement was made that we only had four outfield players on the bench uh, just when you think things cannot get any worse uh, another twist of the knife he says some background I didn't renew my daughter's or my season ticket two years ago after being made to feel very unsafe sat in the family stand being surrounded by large groups of all male Burnley fans uh, with not a child amongst them at the final game of the season this on top of being made to feel like criminals with the body search we were both subject to at the turnstiles before the season started my daughter and I looked at the fixtures and picked out the games we fancied attending this campaign this is now on hold until after the transfer window closed I'm a big fan of uh, Lee Bowyer he certainly in my opinion showed what he could get out of the players last season also I was impressed with uh, the, that he stuck with us despite not being given the job permanently my question to you is uh, why would the current owner care if he appointed Boya as manager only for him to be replaced if a takeover went through uh, my biggest fear for the week ahead is that we lose more players on the cheaper Rebo and Bauer and then Boya decides enough is enough and walks away we end up as a complete shambles and a laughing stock if we aren't already starting the season with only 14 fit outfield players with the hope that some of the injured players will be back in about 6 weeks is something I just cannot get my head around do we think that Solly, Page, Pierce, Lapsley Arebo, Grant and Fosu are physically capable to play 40 plus games this season it is like too many important people are playing a game of Russian roulette or who blinks first rather than sorting out the situation uh, one way or another and I guess that sums it up nicely uh, Greg just on the question about Bowie there I guess well 
Because obviously he said at one point Bowyer did seem to think he might be given the job permanently before the Sunderland game mm. if Rowland was still here. Now the only thing I can think is, well, if that does happen and then whoever the new owner decides to be doesn't want Bowyer there, then it just is another hurdle to then have to get rid of him, which is why it might not have happened. But then why was Bowyer supposedly told by Duchatelet that he would get it full time? Who knows? Uh, like everything at the moment, it's a bit confusing and a bit difficult to work out, and just slightly depressing as well, right? Mark says, uh, "Evening, guys. Sat listening to the show with my boys who enjoyed their first taste of football yesterday." Mark uh, had his twins. Well, his wife had his twins uh, during during the uh, during the uh, the summer break. So well done to to Mark. Uh, I'm glad they've uh, got their first uh, toast of disappointment already. Uh, There was an air of inevitability about yesterday, and due to all the circumstances surrounding our club at the moment, it was hardly a surprise. I don't know if we can give other teams a six-week head start whilst we wait for the better players and and Reeves (laughs) uh, to get back, but there's no choice. Now for a week of clenching and hoping that Arriba or Bauer isn't sold for £20 and a set of steak knives or whatever we got for Josh. Roland seems to be from the Trump school of business. I'm not sure uh, me uh, me not having a season ticket this year... 24 years in a row is a good thing considering all the best uh, Mark and all the best to you as well uh, Dan Briordre uh, finally says perspective high chats very disappointing result but very encouraging performance Taylor's hold up uh, play and Fret was a class above McGuinness Lapsley was energetic Arebo top class Prattley very good pass and move was very good and I'm confident if we can get through this week uh, without losing anyone I think Boyer should have sent on Hackett Fairchild to chase their centre back down however I can't bear the overreaction to losing to Sunderland in effect we lost one point from the position we were in in the 95th minute uh, Ari Duchatelet I'm sure he wants to sell but if the Australians can't sort out the deal over so many months then it's really then is it really his fault if this falls away then as a businessman he will definitely not want us to go down so I fully expect some loan deals this week Week. Fan cons- fans constantly saying to RD just sell the club is meaningless because he needs a buyer who can pay the asking price or negotiate it down and he is still subsidising the club by a considerable amount each month that said I did I do wish he would just sell the club well, I guess if his asking price was a lot lower then the club would, may well have been sold by now because you would have had more suitors perhaps who could have found whatever this current problem is and sorted it out already you know like I say I mean if, if the problem is the funding with, and with which, which is what Richard suggested on, on, on the paper the other day, then well, if the price was low, there wouldn't be a problem with it. Hmm. No, I don't yeah. see how you you buy something, make it worse, and expect more money for when you sell it. It just doesn't make sense. Right, we've uh, run out of time uh, on t- tonight's chart. And I thank to all of you who's uh, who've tuned in uh, our first uh, Sunday show of the season. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Tom and Nathan, thanks for being here. Cheers, Cheers uh, Yeah, I've been uh, Louis Mendes. We'll be back here on the Thursday evening with a big match preview live at 7 o'clock on Maritime Radio. We'll look ahead to next uh, Saturday's game against Shrewsbury. Thanks for all your, your correspondence, your tweets, your emails, your, your forum posts. Hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.